You might be surprised, but according to my sources, there are still 150 Bukharian Jews that still live in Bukhara, the city where Bukharian Jews get their namesake from. And I'm guessing there are still Bukharian Jews that live in Uzbekistan, but not in, that that are not in Bukhara. But this section will will focus on um, Bukhara, Uzbekistan. I'll now be saying information about Bukharian Jews in Uzbekistan from various articles, and mostly in Bukhara, because that's the focus of the section. This ancient Silk Road city of Bukhara has two synagogues, a primary school that teaches Hebrew, a Jewish cultural association, and a sprawling Jewish cemetery with more than 10,000 graves. What it lacks are Jews. Home to one of the world's oldest and, in centuries past, biggest Jewish communities, Bukhara, a fabled city of ancient ruins and Islamic architectural treasures in central Uzbekistan, has a Muslim population of more than 270,000, but, according to most estimates, only 100, 100 to 150 Jews. Even, even that, says Luiba Kamitova, an observant Jew whose son and older daughter emigrated to Israel, is a big exaggeration. Ms. Kimatova said there are only five families left, four to four or five families left, who kept kosher and followed Jewish traditions. The rest, she said, do not really live like Jews anymore. That is not entirely their fault, she quickly added. Most of the result of the fact that there is nobody who can slaughter animals for food, according to, according to Jewish law. Until March 2018, the city had two dueling rabbis who, who knew the rituals of slaughter, but each was very old and sick, and too feeble to wield a butcher's knife. The older rabbi has now died. Delivering yet another blow to the community with a storied history searching back millenniums, but steadily running out of living members. The feared national backlash against minorities, particularly non-Muslim ones, never happened, and even remaining Jews who are eager to, praise, to leave praise Uzbekistan as a place, unlike Israel and many parts of Europe, where Jews and Muslims live side by side without friction. I never felt anti any anti-Semitism. I never felt an, any anti-Semitism here. Never, Ms. Kimantoma says. Nothing that a husband, a watchmaker, walks in the streets wearing a skullcap without any fear. And the daughter, who's 13, has always walked to school on her own through, through the narrow, winding streets of Bukhara's Old Town District. The central government in Tashkent, the Uzbek capital, would like Bukhara Jews to stay and those who left to start returning. As, a part, as part of a general opening up after the death of the country's longtime dictator, Islam Karimov, in 2016, it recently gave visa-free entry to Israelis and is encouraging emigrants to come back, at least to take a look. They have always been an organic part of Uzbek society, and people here need them, said Sodik Sofev, Uzbekistan's former ambassador to Washington and a very close confidant of the liberalizing now liberalizing new Uzbek president, Shavkat Mizroyev. It will be very sad if they are all melted down in the big melting pot of New York. Without history, you have no future, said Abram, Abram Izakov, the president of the Bukhara Jewish community. Just being here to preserve our history, our language, and our traditions is a big victory. He says that his daughter, who now lives in Australia, his brother in Israel, and other relatives in the United States, regularly pleaded with him to leave Bukhara, but that his answer was always the same. While keeping kosher, Mr. Izakov takes a relaxed view of whether fellow Jews strictly follow all religious customs and has had quarrels with more pious members of the community who have increasingly fallen under the influence of Chabad Lubavitch, an orthodox Hasidic movement headquartered in Brooklyn, New York. From, for Raphael Elatov, the head of the city's Jewish Cultural Association, however, the only real hope of keeping the community alive is support from the government. If the authorities encourage investment and make it easier to do business, he said, Jews who left for Israel or America will return to become at least part-time residents. As the community has grown smaller, the question of whether to stay or go has ever has grown ever more insistent, intensified the splintering of families, increasing difficulties of following Jewish dietary and other customs. Some stay because they're in lines of work not easily transferred not easily transferred abroad, like Simon Ismailov, who who extracts venom from vipers for sale to pharmaceutical companies. His snake farm, located down a muddy track outside of Bukhara, sells tiny vials of viper venom for $2,000 each. Jura Koshayev, a Jewish shoemaker and the last of 10 siblings left in Bukhara, says he had thought of moving about moving to New York, where he has eight, where, where he has eight close relatives, but he worried about adjusting to life, life outside Bukhara's old Jewish quarter. Many of our people get depressed in America, he says. They take too many antidepressants. Whatever the stress of, of living abroad, however, the scope for living a Jewish life in Bukhara is fast shrinking. Because there are so few Jews, le few Jews left, it is often di difficult to find a minyan. 
The required quorum of ten worshippers need to hold this needed to hold a synagogue a service in a synagogue. But you can pray with less, but you can't do like certain things without ten men. Over the age of Bar Mitzvah. Concentrated mostly in the three Uzbekistani cities of Tashkent, Samarkand, and Bukhara, Central Asia's Bukharian Jewry is growing is a growing community with hope with hope neither of re replenishing the numbers nor the social status they enjoyed up until the previous century. At one time, they dominated the region's textile and dye industry, according to Jura Palazov, a historian at Israel's Bar-Lan University, specializing in Bukharian Jewry. Even so, Shabbat prayers stretch on for hours, and as a handful of congregants wait for suburbanites and late risers to arrive on foot. Draped in prayer shawls, the men practice their deep guttural singing of scripture, as they sit in pews in the main in, in the synagogue's main yard, a cooler alternative to the stuffy interior, which can reach 104 degrees Fahrenheit in summer, the women used to sit apart from men in the synagogues on an elevated balcony, but have since moved downstairs with the men because climbing the stairs became too diff difficult for elderly congregants. The only growing Jewish institution in Bukhara is the community's walled-off cemetery. The, this community has no future here, says Shirin Yakubov, a 33 a 33-year-old mother of three. Yakubov is one of the few remaining young members of Bukhara's Jewish community of 150. Her three siblings live, all live in Israel, where she and her husband, Arsen, plan to immigrate as soon as his elderly parents also agree to leave. Meanwhile, the, their children attend a Jewish school where only a few of, the, or a few of some Jew, 200 students are Jewish. Both synagogues feature pi pictures from the 1997 visit to Bukhara of Hillary Clinton when she was First Lady. Part of an intellectual display of ornaments hanging on the wall that include china vessels, porches of community stages, and somewhat, de somewhat depressingly, an array of non-functioning clocks. Today, around 100 to 200 Jews are left in Bukhara, the community's heartland. In Bukhara, it is so difficult to find a minyan, the required quorum of 10 men to hold, to hold certain services, that the community is often forced to go without. Bukhara's Jews may be dwindling, but some cultural memory, at least, lives on. The ancient Silk Road city once had a thriving Jewish population, which shrunk to around 200. Despite boasting two synagogues, deep-pocketed foreign donors, and, Jew and a Jewish school where Baladov learns Hebrew, the Jewish community in Bukhara has shrunk to the point where its future is in pearl. Those remaining are mostly elderly. Isaac Guyamov, 83, a retired geologist and father of five, fends off regular requests from his children to join them in Israel. All of his siblings have left, and three of his children have immigrated to Israel, and another to Kazakhstan. It is good for me here. I know everyone and everyone knows me. He says during a short tour of the 420-year-old synagogue, set among, them, set among the stone houses in Bukhara's old Jewish quarter. Congregants take, part in partic take particular pride in, in a pair of centuries-old deerskin Torah scrolls, kept in a windowed cupboard beside gold-embroidered hangings. Despite its dwindling flock, the synagogue is well-connected. A display on picture shows that Hillary Clinton and Christine Lagarde have both visited, as well as the wife of the current president of Uzbekistan, and the French actor Gérald Depardieu. The Bukharian Jewish community has enjoyed a close relationship with, with the government in Uzbekistan. While the previous authoritarian leader, Islam Kardimov, brutally tar targeted Islamists and isolated the country from the outside world, he, left, he largely left the Bukharian Jewish community in peace. The new president has experimented with limited reforms, for instance, for instance by easing travel in, in and out of the country while maintaining total political power. In courtyard of the synagogue, Sylvia Azadov and his wife, Delfuza, prepare a Bukharian Jewish delicacy. Thick cuts, thick cuts of carp from Bukhara's market marinated in coriander, gar garlic, and salt, then fried, refrigerated, and served on, be on, a, bed of jelly, on, on a bed of jellied chalidiets. The Azadovs are Muslim as is the caretaker of the synagogue and the Jewish cemetery. He and his wife have occasionally cooked, up, cooked using kosher recipes for the synagogue, since the former chief chef died and was not replaced. The synagogue's elderly rabbi also died recently, and Ishakov has, and the, and has been standing in for him since. At the local Jewish cemetery, the caretaker says that since 1997, the number of people buried, buried has jumped from 9,000 plots to more than 20,000. Flushed with cash from donors and tourists, the synagogue has undergone a renovation of the cemetery worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Still, the dream is for the new congregants than cash. Grigory, another retiree, can recall when Jews under 20 years old were barred from attending synagogue and the crowds for Shabbat prayers spilled out of the synagogue into the courtyard. When asked about his wedding planners and matchmakers to propagate a new generation of Bukharian Jews, he laughs. We have not needed that for a long time. Nearly all Ashkenazim live in the capital, Tashkent, as do some 2,000 Bukharian Jews. 
We can't get enough people for a minyan, a synagogue service that requires the presence of at least ten men, Koyeshev added. Pointing at several Jewish men, seven Jewish men who gathered at one of the city's two remaining synagogues, an adobe house built in 1882, just hours after the funeral. The youngest man in the synagogue was Sion Matov, a 21-year-old who wants to become a rabbi. To do this, he will have to leave for Israel or Russia because there is no yeshiva or religious study institution in Bukhara. His younger sister, Angela Matatova, also expressed her plans to leave. All her relatives are in America, said the 16-year-old with her dark curly hair and a waist-long braid. Less than 500 Bukhara Jews now live in the ex-Soviet nation of 31 million, 100 times fewer than their population in New York's Queens alone. Another 100,000 live in Israel. Some 150, 150 live in the city of Bukhara, where the community sees more deaths and funerals than births and weddings. When I slaughtered a cow, they would not eat my meat, Rabbi Sinanov recalled. Said my rabbi certificate was from Russia, not Israel, they would tell him. Now, the warning days in Uzbekistan are filled with cautious optimism and relative comfort. Relatives in the U.S. and Israel support them financially, and for the first time in their history, they can practice their faith without fear, and have their, and have their children educated at a Jewish school. I, I think we will stay on, Sininov says. Sit, sitting in the sunlit backyard of his house, next to a huge cage full of pigeons he, pigeons he breeds. To, pre, to preserve the term Bukhara Jew, we will do whatever it takes. Now, I'll be talking about Bukharian Jews in the United States, where 70,000 Bukharian Jews live and 50,000 live in Queens, New York, and the other 20,000 live all throughout the United States. Lots of Bukharian Jews moved to the United States after the collapse of the Soviet Union. Currently, Bukharian Jews are mostly concentrated in the U.S., New York, Arizona, Atlanta, Denver, South Florida, Los Angeles, and San Diego. New York City's 108th Street in the borough of Queens, often referred to as Bukharian Broadway or Bukharian Broadway in Forest Hill, Queens is filled with Bukharian restaurants and gift shops. Furthermore, Forest Hill's name is nicknamed Bukharlem due to the majority of the population being Bukharian. They have formed a tightly knit enclave in an area that was once primarily inhabited by Ashkenazi Jews. Many of the Ashkenazi Jews have assimilated in, in, to the wider American and American Jewish culture with each successive generation. Congregation Tiferet Israel and Corona Queens Okay, Corona Queens, a synagogue founded in the early 1900s by Ashkenazi Jews, became Bukharian in the 1990s. Kew Garden Queens also has a very large population of Bukharian Jews. Author Janet Malcolm has taken an interest in Bukharian Jews in the U.S., US writing at length about Jeffrey Musef Masson and Inusita and Foreign Sills, Anatomy of a Murder Trial, about the 2007 contract murder of Daniel Makalov, organized by his ex-wife Molotov Borkova. Although Bukharian Jews and Queens remain insular in some ways, living close proximity to each other, owning and patronizing cluster of stores, and attending their own synagogues rather than other synagogues in the area, they have connections with non-Bukharians in the area. Their children, for example, usually attend local public schools and do other things that American children do. In December 1999, the first Congress of the Bukharian Jews of the United States and Canada convened in Queens. In 2000, convened in, Queens. in 2007, Bukharian American Jews initiated lobbying effects on, uh, efforts on behalf of their community. Zoya Maskumova, the president of Bukharian women's organization, Elstar Malka, said that this event represents a huge leap forward for our community. Now, for the first time, Americans will know, will know who we are. Senator Joseph Lieberman intoned, God said to Abraham, you will be an internal people. And now we see that the state of Israel lives in the, in the historic Bukharian community which was cut off from the Jewish world for centuries in Central Asia and suffered oppression during the Soviet Union, is alive and well in America. God has kept his promise to the Jewish people. Now some information from, from articles featuring Bukharian life in the United States. Bukharian Jews are a fairly new immigrant group. Most, coming to, most came to America in the 1990s, following the collapse of the Soviet Union, and settled in Queens, New York. In fact, there are now more Bukharian Jews living in Queens than in Bukhara itself. The Bukharian community is very traditional, strongly family-oriented, and deeply affected by the stretches of immigration. Those succeeded in building communal infrastructure like synagogues, schools, and community programs and professional societies. It faces deep challenges including struggling to maintain its Jewish distinct, distinct Jewish identity, adapting to American, American cultural norms, the high cost of Jewish schooling, and what to do with children while both, parent, both, while both parents work long hours. Queens College has the largest Bukharian college student population in the United States. Planning many events and activities highlighting Bukharian culture was often a challenge because the American way of life creates an environment that calls for assimilation as opposed to pride in, one root, pride in one root, one's roots. For example, fewer new generation Bukharian Jews speak the languages that their parents grew up speaking. 
but it's imperative that our youth hold on, hold their youth, hold on to its culture and traditions as a group. Our population is already fairly small as it is. We host regular events like the monthly Chikwanas, Tea House in Bukharian, highlighting different aspects of Bukharian culture. They've been a great reason for me. Well, I'm, I'm getting this information from an article, so it's kind of kind of sound gonna sound a little bit weird. For me to to continue my search for resources and answers while planning one particular chokihana i found a bukharian cookbook on my mother's shelves and brought it to share with my peers for another event a colleague found an old dictionary filled with english hebrew russian and farsi a persian dialect related to our bukharian language there are now an estimated 50,000 bukharian jews living in new york city with practically all of them living in queens this makes queens the second largest bukharian jewish community in the world israel is the first it is though that only that only about 100 to 200 remain in Bukharia, the city in Uzbekistan that was once the, once the epicenter of the world. When the first Bukharians came to Queens, they settled in Forest Hills, Forest Hills, and soon after, 108th Street between 63rd and 65th Avenues became the the shopping business center of the universe. This strip, often referred to as the Bukharian Broadway, is still on with Bukharian-owned meat markets, grocery stores, and restaurants, and other businesses where Russian is the lingua franca. Although the Bukharians own language is Bukhari, a Tajik Persian dialect that incorporates some Hebrew words. The community has grown so rapidly that now Queens Boulevard between 63rd and 67th Avenue subway stops on the R train can probably qualify as a Bukharian Broadway as well. The original Bukharian settlement eventually spilled over into Rico Park. Now, with families growing, the boundaries have expanded to include Kew Garden Hills, Fresh Meadows, and Jamaica Estates. The synagogue is the center of the communal life for many Bukharian Jews. In 30 years, the number of synagogues, shuls, have grown from 1 to 40, and perhaps even more if you count the private homes that, are, that have been repurposed into shuls and those that hold, host prayer groups. The Bukharian Jewish Community Center at 106, uh, 16, 70, 70th Avenue and the Beth Gabriel Bukharian Jewish Center are two large, large and influential synagogues that offer a multitude of classes and services to the community. The chief rabbi of the community, Baruch Babayev, is headquartered at the, fir at the first, Chazak.org, a youth outreach and social service organization that operates out of the second. Many of the neighborhood's non-for-profit institutions are supported by wealthy and influential residents and by one particularly wealthy non-resident. According to Adrian on Onofori, a tour, guide, a tour guide and walking author of walk author Walking Queens, a significant portion of the funds that it costs to build the new uh, 70th Avenue Synagogue came from Lev Leviev, who, who, who I'll be talking about in the bonus section. A Bukharian Jew and diamond mogul ranked among the world's richest people by Forbes magazine. As of mid-July, Forbes posted his net worth at $1.118 billion. Arlan Ornov, one of the first Bukharian Jews to settle in Queens, who is set to help many others to settle there as well, wants to share his love for his homeland with the rest of the world. To do this, he has dedicated his money, life, soul, everything, and created the Bukharian Jewish Museum, which well, which I'll also be talking about in the bonus section as well, and a recently restored synagogue, Tiferet Israel, in Corona, a neighborhood not too far from Forest Hill and Rico Park. The Bukharian Jews in Queens face challenges. Affordable housing, especially for young and growing families, is scarce, residents say. One resident told us that members of the community like to live next to their parents, but that is not always possible as real, real estate prices escalate. Assimilation into the broader culture is a concern as well. Emmanuel Rabakov lives in the community and teaches a course at Queen's College that gives an overview of the history and culture of the Bukharian Jews in Central Asia, focusing on the community's achievements and downfall of traditions, music, language, and literature. We're successfully integrating into Amer American Jewish society, but at the same time, we're losing a lot of our ethnic culture. He, he told the Times of he told the Times of April, he told the Times of Israel last April, or whenever they wrote the article. Hardly a day or a night go, of the week goes by without a commemoration or celebration in the Bukharian community. One of the overriding features of, Bukhar, of Bukharian culture is the importance of commemorating the death of loved ones. The Bukharians show tremendous respect for the deceased, says Shimon. It's a, it's a big tradition to hold the Yeshuvo memorial celebrations annually for family members. Often, often these celebrations are held in restaurants or catering halls. Elite Palace and Demichel Palace are two of the most popular. We also love making big weddings and, and big remitzos with 300 to 500 guests. On average, they're held at catering halls. We used to have to go to Great Neck on Long Island for these celebrations, but then catering halls start, started popping up in Queens. In his column in the Jerusalem Post, Chef Dennis Wasco writes that the cuisine of the Bukharian Jews is not known for robust seasoning and is instead known for subtle flavors, developed with herb, onion, garlic, peppers, and many vegetables. The principal spices used are cumin, coriander, turmeric, pepper, and a light touch of hot chili. 
Meat and poultry are used sparingly to enrich a dish, rather as the main, rather than as the main focus. Pasta is very common, as is rice. Bosco includes a recipe for chicken pilaf, a popular chicken and rice dish, chicken and rice pilaf dish. Three other rice dishes that Shimon likes uh, are green pilaf called bashk, al shisabo, rice, meat, carrots, and tomatoes cooked overnight and po and, and popular for the sh for the Shabbat, and sirkanis and pilaf with fried carp in a garlic sauce. The cuisines of both India and Korea are reflected in Bukharian cooking. Since the Bukharian territories were, were along the Silk Route Road, Bukharian samsa is similar to Indian, Indian samosa and is also baked in tandoor ovens, and their noodle soups with chunks of meat and veggie, veggies, langman, and, and a spicy carrot slaw reflect the Korean influence. For an immersive Bukharian experience, visit Gashanom in Forest, Hill, Forest Hills, a specialty supermarket where everyone speaks Russian and buys imported Russian food. Take out salads, main dishes, smoked fish, cheese, and desserts. If you prefer having something else, someone else do the Bukharian cooking for you, Onofori recommends Chuchiburechnaya for Chuburek, which are light at panadas. Onofori also likes Salute, and Shiman suggests Arazu. All above are kosher. The Bukharian, the Bukharian neighborhood is the haven of sometimes hard-to-find kosher restaurants and markets. Shimon said that, in, that real, said real estate in Regal Park and Forest Hill is in demand. Being that the community is growing and the demand for real estate in these two neighborhoods are on the rise, so are the prices, she said. We've never seen prices so high as they are right now, not even during the real estate boom. Both the rental and sales market are hot. As an example, she, she cites parks is Park City Estates, a co-op development in Rico Park that's popular with the Bukharian community. A three-bedroom apartment here right now roughly costs $650,000 with a 1600 monthly maintenance charge, she said. And attached homes in Rico Park are now asking over $1 million, she said. Until now, that's unheard of, she says. Standing at the corner of beautiful Bukhara Baker in Queens, New York, a bite into the delicious Hubcat-sized wheel of toasty bread, which Jews in Uzbekistan were making centuries before the first bagel was boiled in Europe. The bakery, like many of the businesses and schools and community centers along the stretch of 108th Street in Forest Hills, is operated by Bukharian Jews, so-called because they hail from the city of Bukhara, Uzbekistan, and the Central Asian countries of, T of Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, and Kyrgyzstan that surround it. Slowly, according to community reports, a number of Bukharian Jews are moving away from their old neighborhood, mostly south to Atlanta, Houston, and Southern California, where the climate more resembles what they knew in their homeland. Dispersed, it will be much it will be harder for Bukharians to keep their unique community-based way of life. Perhaps the highlight is the visit to the appointment-only Bukharian Museum, which is now based in a local day school, Jewish, the Jewish Institute of Queens. The tiny museum was founded by Aron Ornov, a legendary figure in the community, as Kimov refers to him. Arnov, Oronov, who used to work as a translator in Tashkent, Uzbekistan, probably recalls translating for Richard Nixon when he visited the country. He moved to the United States in 1989. Oronov, says that he has collected over a thousand items which he displays in the own informal museum, two cramped classrooms that the school lent him throughout his whole life. It is an enormous private collection of amassed objects and includes an ancient Torah scroll, paintings, photographs, a carriage, traditional cooking supplies, clothing and textiles, and plenty of Jewish ritual objects that are rem remnants of centuries of Jewish life in Central Asia. At the Bukharian Jewish Congress of the United States and Canada, which I'll be speaking more about in the bonus section, located at the top of the community center in Forest Hills, Queens, visitors can see a long line of portraits of historical figures hanging, one after the other, in the narrow hallways that circle the offices. One of them is a portrait of Shimon Chacham, a rabbi who translated several religious books into Bukhari, a Persian dialect that blends Hebrew and Tajik, Tajik influences, making, making the text, text more accessible to the local Jews. Kamov does not try to gloss over the community's challenges, talking about growing drug abuse among Bukharian teens, and, and the racial tensions that exist in Fort Hills. Where in late 2018, a 16-year-old Bukharian yeshiva student was beaten in the street by local teenagers and hospitalized. 30 minutes from, by subway from New York City Times Square is Forest Hills, Forest Hills, Queens, a neighborhood known for its thriving community of Bukharian Jews. The community there, at a nearby Regal Park, numbers around, around 50,000. We don't keep anger inside, says Dr. Zoya Maskunova, referring to past anti-Semitism in Central Asia. Jews and Muslims are nice people who want to work hard and, have, and live good lives. We have good relationships here, and we are very proud of this. In Queens, 108th Street is commonly, to, is commonly referred to as Bukharian Broadway, with good reason. Bukharian restaurants line the streets, attracting Bukharian and non-Bukharian diners alike. On any given night, 
Rosh Hashanah such as King David and Da Mikel are filled with Bukhari and celebrating weddings or remembering lost family members by lighting yardside memorial candles. Music is vital to Bukharian culture, and some of the greatest performers of Central Asian classical music live, perform, and teach in New York. In the old days, the Mir Bukhara would have the best singers in his court singing traditional Shashkwa Makam music, and most of those singers were Bukharian Jews, says lawyer Boris Nekatalo. A hub of life in Forest Hills is the Bukharian Jewish Community Center, which houses an Orthodox Jewish synagogue, meeting rooms, social halls, and a center for Jews for senior citizens the headquarters of the Bukharian Times newspaper and the Bukharian Jewish Congress. Cultural events draw participants far, from far beyond Queens. An annual Bukharian Jewish Comedy Night, for example, features notable comedians from Israel. The Bukharian Jewish Museum in Elmhurst, Queens, boasts a collection of, of more than 2,000 items, including mu musical instruments, Bukharian, la Bukharian language books, and a 400-year-old Torah. Now a brief section about Bukharian Jews in Austria and how they're con contributing to to the Jewish mosaic in Austria. The Austrian Jewish community is, a, is in many ways a mosaic, whose strength is derived from the sum of its parts. A community rebuilt by Holocaust survivors after the Second World War has been augmented over the decade, decades by immigration from, from Hungary, Poland, and the former Soviet Union. Some of its no, most notable cultural figures, like the novelists Doron Rabinovici and Julia Rabinovich, were not born in Austria, but perhaps the most significant influx in terms of its impact on Communal life has come from what the Austrian daily Die Presse calls the unknown Jews, Bukharian Jews who, beginning in the late 1970s, left Soviet Uzbekistan and Tajikistan and established a new community in Vienna that is today integral to the Jewish life in the Austrian capital. The flight of the Bukharian Jews from Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, and Kyrgyzstan began in the early 1970s, when a ban on Jewish emigration from the, for, from, the for, from the former Soviet Union was first relaxed. A community of Bukharian Jews began to establish itself in Vienna, from the late 1970s onwards, at a time when the city served as a gateway for, for, for Soviet Jewish immigrants to Israel, the United States, and other European countries. This community, then, was a mixture of those who arrived in Vienna and elected to settle down as opposed to travel on, and others who, having migrated to, onto Israel, elected to come back. Jews from the former Soviet Union, of which Bukharian Jews constitute a major part, today make up around about 30% of the broader 10,000 strong Aust Austrian Jewish community. So that's about uh, 33,000 Bukharian Jews in Austria. The historic region for Bukharian Jewish emigration are roughly the same as those for all, for all Jews who fled the former Soviet Union. Religious and national suppression and pressure of the authoritarian government in general. Bukharian Jews were quite traditional, quite religious. It was not possible to observe the Jewish traditions because law forbade it. They were hiding it. Not only their religion, but their cult culture and language. Shalom, Shlomo Uzanatov, president of the VBJ, the Association of Bukharian Jews in Austria, explained. Although there, was, although there was some degree of liberalization in the Central Asian republics beginning in the mid-19th century, 70s, in general, the hostile atmosphere towards religion and a climate of anti-Semitism made it terribly difficult to preserve Bukharian traditions. In Vienna, meanwhile, due to linguistic and cultural differences, Raphael described the integration of Bukharian Jews into the wider Jewish community as an ongoing process. Bukharian Jews face the challenge of from assimilation, though Raphael believes that this is less true of the Viennese community when compared to other parts of the of diaspora. While Ustoni Azov agrees with the po position of the Austrian Jewish community and the state of Israel of non-cooperation with ministers and parliamentarians from the far-right Freedom Party, who today are the junior partner in the who today are the junior partner partner in the Austrian government. In spite of these challenges, however. Bukharian Jews have established a foothold inside the existing Jewish community and over time have founded many of their own institutions in addition to the VBJ. Economically, they, co they constitute the majority of kosher restaurateurs and caterers in Vienna, while politically they have strong rep rep representations inside the ITJ, the organizational body of Austrian Jewish community. In the, in the, last, in the last Jewish communal elections of, in 2017, Sfardim, the, the list representing Bukharian Jews, won 27% of the vote and worked in cooperation with the with, with community president, Oxard uh, Deutsch. The, v the VVJ oversees five autonomous synagogues in Vienna, each with their own rabbi and social calendar. The Bukharian community has also has two youth organizations, Jad Bijad and Club Ch and Club Chai, the latter of which is a Chabad organization, a cultural organization, Kinor David, and a news outlet, Safar Safardi, Safardi News, which reports on political and religious news and communal events. 
The Jewish community is really active and well organized, and we have, in comparison to other cities in Europe, excellent Jewish inf infrastructure, and a significant part of this infrastructure is also provided by the Bukharian Jews. Now, I'll be briefly talking about Bukharian Jews in Israel. Bukharian Jews in Israel, also known as the Bukharin, refers to the immigrants and descendants of the immigrants of Bukharian Jewish communities, who now reside within the state of Israel, who number around 100,000 to 160,000. The first Bukharian Jews to make Aliyah moved to Israel arrived in the 1870s and 1880s, establishing the first Bukharian quarter in Jerusalem. In 1890, seven members of the Bukharian Jewish community formed the Hoveve Zion Association of the Jewish Communities of Bukhara, Samarkand, and Tashkent. By 1914, around 1,500 Bukharian Jews had immigrated, and 4,000 more arrived in the early 1930s. In 1940, the publications of Bukhari were shut down by the Soviets, along with most Bukharian schools. Bukharian schools. In 1948 began the Black Years of Soviet Jewry, where, where suppression of the Jewish religion resumed after stopping due to the war. In 1950, 13 religious Bukharian Jews in Samarkand were arrested and sentenced to 25 years. Similar arrests happened to prominent Bukharim in Kata Kurgan and Bukhara. The Six-Day War led to a rise in Jewish patriotism along Bukharian Jews and many carried out demonstrations as refuseniks. Until 1972, there was no major immigration of Bukharim to Israel. It was then from 19... It was from then until, until 1975 when 8,000 managed to immigrate from the USSR. By 1987, 32,000 Bukharian Jews lived in Israel, around 40% of the Bukharim. In 1990, there, there were riots against the Jewish population of Anjizan in nearby areas. This led to most Jews of the Fergana Valley immigrating to Israel or the United States. From 1989 to 2005, over 5,000 Bukharian Jews from Kyrgyzstan came to Israel due to increased hostility in the region. In 1992, there was a secret airlift operation which brought a small num number of Bukharian Jews from Tajikistan to Israel. From 1989 to 2000, over 10,000 made Aliyah from Tajikistan. Today, most Bukhari live in Israel, with a significant population in the United States. Only 1,000 Jews remain in Tajikistan, 105,000 in Uzbekistan, and only 150 in the city of Bukhara. The Bukharian Quarter, is known in vernacular Hel Helbish as Bukharim Quarter, is a neighborhood in the center of Jerusalem. Many of the residents today are Haredi Jews. The, the, board, the quarter borders Tel Arzot on the west, the Shmuel Hanavi Center on the north, and Arzei Habira on the east, and Galula on the south. The first immigrants of Bukharian, Bukharian Jews from Russia and Tur from Ru Russian Turkestan, Central Asia, settled, settled in Jerusalem in the 1870s and 1880s. They bought land, they bought land and employed architect Konrad Stick to design a neighborhood for them. In 1890, seven members of the Bukharian Jewish community formed the Hovevi Zion Association of the Jewish Communities of Bukhara, Samarkand, and Tashkent. In 1891, the association drew up a charter stating that the new quarter would be built in the style of Europe's major cities. The streets were three times wider than the other streets in Jerusalem at the time, and spacious mansions were built with large courtyards. The homes were designed with neo-Gothic windows, European tiled roof, neo-Moorish arches, and Italian marble. Facades were decorated with Jewish motifs such as the Star David and Hebrew inscriptions. In 1905 to 1908, a dairy was opened and cotton fields were planted on the outskirts of the neighborhood. Construction of the quarter continued until the early 1950s. A total of 200 houses were built. During World War I, the Turkish occupied army se occupied several buildings and cut down almost all of the trees. In 1920, a factory for weaving Persian carpets opened, providing employment for 80 women. Now I'm going to talk about landmarks in the Bukharian quarter in Jerusalem. Ye Yehuda Yov Palace, Armagh. Built between, between 1905 and 1914, Bukhari merchant Elisha Yehudov and his son-in-law Yehudov son Yehudov 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 built the Armand, literally palace, using local limestone and Italian marble with Italian Baroque ornaments. The Armand hosted many of the leading figures of the time. During World War I, the Turkish army had its headquarters here. When the British captured Jerusalem in 1917, a celebratory reception was held in the Armand. 200 Jewish soldiers serving in the British army attended a Passover Cedar there. In 1921, the founding convention of the chief rabbinate took place at the Armand, at which Rabbi Abraham Isaac Kook and Jacob Meir were elected. At the end of the British mandate, the Armand served as a meeting place for the, for the Irgun. Now, the Davidov House is very short. The Davidov House, built in 1906, now serves as the community center in the Bukharian uh, Jewish quarter in, in Jerusalem. Now is the bonus section, where I'll be talking about topics that don't really fit into any formal section, but are important, and I feel that, you know, they should be talked about on the podcast. Most of the section will be me talking about Bukharian organizations. Ca up, up first, we have Cafe Chinar. Up first in the bonus section is Cafe Chinar. 
a Bukharian restaurant in Phoenix, Arizona, in the United States. Here's some information about about it from an article about from yeah. Here's some information from an article about the restaurant. Cafe Chinar, a kosher kosher certified Bukharian restaurant at 16th Street and Bell Road in Phoenix, Phoenix, cheerfully embraces the old school archetype. In August 2018, Mazal and Anton Uyadov opened a small friendly place to share their heritage, the Jewish cuisine of Uzbekistan. Though the valley has long been home to expatriate Bukharian community, Mazal Uyadov, who arrived in 1996, insists she is insists she never she was she has never known Phoenix to have a Bukharian restaurant. But whether Cafe Chinar is the first is one is first or one of the first, this this is not a cult culinary subgenre that has re received a lot of play. The good news for the Uyadovs is that Bukharian is almost as approachable as it is as it is obscure. Isolated from the world's Jewish community for centuries, Bukharian Jews developed a cuisine rooted in the tr in traditions of Russia and Central Asia, along with with the elements brought by traders who traveled the Silk Road. But as wild as the combination sounds, for a mainstream American diner, there's there's little not to like about dumplings, pickled vegetables, grilled meats, and freshly baked breads. Cafe Chinar is a low-budget operation, but the Uvadovs had taken pains to bring to bring an air of refinement to a small, humble front store, stall, small, humble storefront. It's it's a modern room with with a, with, with a whiff of old-world elegance, a little gliding here, a little filigree there. The tea, the teapot is ornate and the tea is scalding, though the warmth of the staff is what's striking. Bread feels like a good way to start. The pierski, three dollars, are, are springy specimens. A, st a substantial puff of elastic fried dough with a smooth potato filling. The liash, its meaty cousin, subs, it subs in gently seasoned ground beef, and a similar and a similar meat, meat filling con constitutes the core of samsa, which is four dollars. Tucked into a clamshell-shaped pastry. Made without butter, in accordance with kosher dietary code. Dumplings are a bit, bit obligatory. Man, manti, which is ten dollars, can mean different things in different parts of Central Asia. But a cafe dinar, it means fist-sized dumplings, around around a rough-hewn fill of minced steak and onions and onions in abundance. Steam in a wrapper that wrinkles like your fingertips after an hour in the pool. They're gently sweet and, spar and sparingly seasoned. Served with stewed tomato sauce that all all plays like salsa. The same tomato dip isn't quite enough to lend life to the script to the crispy chuzvara. Ten dollars, diminutive potato pameni, fried to a bar snack crisp. But the pan-fried version, which is eleven dollars, is filled with meat and smothered with onions. It's oily, sweet, and wonderfully sticky. Salad plays an important role in the Bukharian table, and it's here where some of the more fascinating fascinating influences pop up. Bukharian Jews living in Russia rubbed elbows with local population of ethnic Koreans. Barring dishes like kimchi, which is $7, served here as lightly fermented nampa cabbage with a, with a touch of spice and a bracing punch of ginger. The marshkova, $7, is simply Korean-inspired, a giant tangle of shredded carrots in a bright sweet sour dressing. Equally fascinating is the chinar salad, $13, julienne, daikon radish, and chilled beef tongue. Tossed in a creamy mayonnaise bit, Base dressing and topped with crispy fried onions that almost feel like you might some might feel like something you find at a Minnesota potluck. Hope you like pickles. The pickled medley, thirteen dollars, brings a truckload of cauliflower, carrots, cucumbers, green tomatoes, bell pepper, all olives, and more are piled higher and and simply presented. Along with stark offerings like the achichuk salad, ten dollars, an Uzbek staple that's little more than cucumbers, off-season tomatoes, and onions with some chilies and fresh herbs. The cold vegetables sometimes feel a little lonely on their own. The kebabs are the star of the menu at Cafe Chinar. Uyadov offers 15 varieties split between lamb, beef, chicken, and fish, all perfectly seasoned, all grilled over live coals and, and, and almost always perfectly cooked. The lamb ribs, $7, are a standout, inch-long cross-cut pieces with a kind of uncuttish un 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 juice and blistering char that can only be properly extracted by holding the bones between your fingers and sucking off every last morsel. Beer liver, which is $6, is simi similarly special, with a firm, meaty texture and a pleasant level of smoky funk. Those who have lament lamented, lamented in, in, in the valley's dearth of good sautéed liver should give up the quest and eat, eat th just eat this instead. Not to put this indelicately, but I will fight the first person who posts on Yelp, if somebody hasn't already, that the lamb kebabs, which are $8, are made with fatty, low-quality meat. It's a complaint as predictable as it, as it is wrong-headed. Fat is quality, fat is flavor, and anybody who knows kebabs knows that fat is one of the best ways to keep them glistening, succulent, and juicy. Heck, the best part about the skirt steak kebabs, which is $8, is that Uvayadov treats 
Udaidov threads little pieces in fat between the chunks of lean steak to improve their flavor and texture. Of course, lean meats have their place as well. Chicken breast, which is $5, is perfectly straightforward, and lulia, $5, in chicken and beef varieties, is a sizzling torpedo of seasoned ground meat, ground meat that will find universal acclaim among carnivores, at least. It would be easy to skip the fish, but don't. Salmon, which is nine dollars a solid, but sea bass, fifteen dollars a stellar. A clinic on how a great piece of fish needs nothing more than a little seasoning, lemon, and just the right amount of fire. Assuming a skewer, that tabaka, which is nineteen dollars, is a platter built around a whole corny, corn, juicy Cornish hen. Squatch cooked, marinated, grilled, and served with mashed potatoes that contain no dairy and don't need any. Lagman, which is ten dollars, is a classic Uzbek soup, Chinese style, hand pulled noodles hiding in the bottom of a bowl of crystal clear broth. Laden with chunks of tender meat and laden with ch with chunks of tender meat and vegetables. A cop to a lack of experience with hanum, which is eight dollars. A pasta like dough rolled with meat and potatoes, cold and steamed. The dough is quite thick, and the dish strikes me as little clumsy. But it's imp but it's impossible to not love the Uzbek plov, which is twelve dollars. Chunks of stewed lamb and chopped carrots that is practically melt into a mound of salt, soft steaming chickpea studded rice with a, just a hint of cumin and, cumin and garlic. Cafe's Chanar sweets aren't the highlight, but they're solid. Lightly, light whipped cream and lighter crisp pastry are later, latered into a Napoleon, which is $7, and a slice of carrot cake is precisely what you expect. More interesting is the Chop Chop, which is $7, a dense hive of crisp fried noodles, tossed with raisins and walnuts, infused with honey. As if snap, crackle, and pop went on a sojourn to Uzbekistan, I'm more drawn by the loaves, the eight, uh, Loves eighteen dollars. Dense bars made with pulverized nuts. They're just the right amount of sweet, which, at the risk of the sour China wordplay, could be said of the entire experience. The dessert, the, fo the folks who serve it to you, and the story of Cafe Chinar are just the right amount of sweet. So, if you're ever in Phoenix, Arizona, well, this is not part of the article, by the way. This last part, just my personal saying. So, if you're ever in Phoenix. Phoenix, Arizona, and you want to eat some Bukharian food or just want some good food in general, Cafe Chinar is the place to visit. Now, I'll be talking about the Bukharian Jewish Congress of the United States and Canada. The Bukharian Jew Jewish Congress of the United States and Canada, you know, I couldn't find any information on this organization, but I, it's kind of weird because they're literally, an, like, in, they're literally an official organization. I'm surprised I couldn't find anything about them online. Like, they don't have a website, it's just, like, very kind of, like, sketchy, you know, like, I don't know. I couldn't find any any information about them. So if you do know, if you're a Baharian Jew and you're part of this organization, you know, DM me and I'd like to know more about this because, yeah, I find this, like, organization really cool. So I couldn't find much information about this organization. But what I did find is that they're, I, I figure that they're an umbrella organization for other Baharian organizations, like, based out of New York, mostly based out of New York and in the United States and yeah, like stuff like that, such as Esther Hamalka, which is a non-profit Bukharian Jewish organization that's in the United States and Canada. The president of the Bukharian Jewish Congress of the US, USA and Canada is Boris Kandel, the Bukharian Jewish Museum. Now I'll be talking about a Bukharian Jewish Museum located in New York, run by Aran Arana that, that I spoke about earlier, and features many artifacts from Bukharian Jewish life in Uzbekistan, and it is the only Bukharian Jewish Museum in the entire world. So if you're ever in New York and want to tour of authentic Bukharian Jewish life, then go check out this museum. You know, after, and I'm recording this when it's coronavirus pandemic, so, you know, go there after, you know, this pandemic dies down, of course. Now, I'll be talking about Lev Livev, who I met, who I mentioned earlier, a famous Bukharian Jew who donates, lot, who donates lots of money to the Bukharian community. Lev Livev is the founder and head of a company that is that is world-leading le diamond cutter and polisher. A Bukharian Jew born in Uzbekistan, he is regarded as the richest man in Israel. His real estate holdings holding span the globe from the former Soviet Union to Europe to the United States. Among his assets are the rail railways in Russia, 7-Elevens in Texas, shopping malls in Israel, and the former New York Times building in, New York Times building in Manhattan, which is, which is alone said to be worth $525 million. Trained as a diamond cutter, he grew up poor, emigrated to Israel as a teenager in 1971, and is so confident of his cutting skills and steady hands that he performed more than a thousand ritual circumcisions. So, oh, I guess he's like a mo. He's also a moel as well. Many on the sons of employees in his various businesses. In 2007, he was ranked by Forbes as the 210th richest man in the world. The magazine estimated his worth to be $4.1 billion. Others say his true figure is close to $8 billion. He is the leading benefactor. He is the leading benefactor. He is the leading benefactor of Jewish causes. Livev 
is credited by some with breaking the back of the De Beers Hotel. Working out of the office of his U.S. Diamond Company, LLV USA, situated in Manhattan's Diamond District, he was able to achieve what he did by getting his hands on large share of the world's uncut diamonds, which traditionally have been at the heart of the De Beers' ability to maintain its monopoly. A Tel Aviv diamond merchant told the New York Magazine, when Levev started out, all they had was an amazing amount of ambition and the ability to understand the stone. Understanding the stone, that was key, Levev said himself. I never doubted that I would get rich. I knew from time that I was six. That I, I knew from the time that I was that I was six that I was destined to be a millionaire. I go with my father to shops, and while he was t talking business, my eyes automatically counted the merchandise. Levev's first big break came when. He became a De Beers sideholder, a milestone he reached through hard work and harnessing the industriousness of his family. His second big break came when he forged crucial contacts in Russia in 1989 as the Soviet Union was coming apart. To do this, he had to give up his sideholding place, a, a, tremendous, sacri a tremendous sacrifice. Lviv came to Moscow on the invitation of the Soviet Minister of Energy and was able to exploit his connections in the Jewish community to set up diamond-related businesses in Russia. When, he, when I got there, Gorbachev was still in power, but you could see that things were coming apart, he told the New York Times magazine. In Russia, Lviv established a high-tech cutting and polishing plant that cho and showed Russians how they could take control of their own diamond industry. In Angola, he forged close ties with the country's president, Jose Eduardo dos Santos, who speaks fluent Russian from his days as an engineering student in the Soviet Union. The Tel Aviv diamond merchant said he was breaking the rules, going after the source. When he succeeded in Russia and then Angola, others saw it and were suddenly emboldened. That's how Lviv cracked the De Beers cartel. With the, instinct of a, with the instincts of a tiger and the balls of a part panther, Lviv now presides over a, over a top-to-bottom diamond company that embraces mines in Russia, Angola, and Namibia, cutting and polishing operations and outlets that sell diamonds wholesale and retail. Now I'll be talking about the Jewish Buharian community of Toronto. Up next is the Jewish Buharian community of Toronto, but in actuality it's located in Vaughan and Richmond Hill, which are suburbs of Toronto. The Jewish Buharian community of Toronto, JBCT, was formally inaugurated in April 2003 to serve the needs of the, joint of the growing Jewish Buharian community in the greater Toronto area. It evolved from and was built on the groundwork laid by the Center of Buharian Jews, a committee established in 1998 to, to unite the fragmentary Jew Jewish Buharian community of the GTA. Its mandate was the preservation of Buharian culture amid the difficulties of immigration. Initially, the, the Center of Buharian Jews worked alongside the Jewish Russian Community Center, JRCC, and was based on the premises of the JRCC. By 2003, with the help of an interventional institution called Sharei Zion, the Buharian community of the GTA welcomed the arrival of Buharian Jewish Buharian rabbi from Israel. Moving to its own premises at the Sephardic Kahila Center, the Jewish Bukharian community of Toronto was officially established. Today, the mission of the JBCT continues to follow the original blueprint laid down, original blueprint laid down in its early days, preserving the beautiful customs of Bukharian people, maintaining pride in our culture, educating the younger generation, uniting, uniting the community, and absorbing new immigrants into the fold. The Jewish Bukharian community of Toronto has two locations: one in Richmond Hill and 9,900. 9,225 Bathurst Street in Richmond Hill, Ontario, as well as Rabbi Yaakov Malev's house, uh, Yaakov Malev, close by at his house, and one large location at Sephardic Kahila Center, located at 7,026 7, Bathurst Street in Vaughan, Ontario, a large compound serving the entire Sephardic community of the GTA. The Kahila Center includes a marvelous synagogue, an elementary school, Bay Midrash, Mikveh, and a rental hall. The JBCT Host Shabbat prayers as well as and community parties at this location, as well as holiday events and, and, and high holiday services. Meros. Next up is Meros, a Baharian database on all things Baharian. On March 6, 2018, Queen's College Hello dedicated Meros, Center for Baharian Jewish Research and Identity at Queen's College. The goal, is provided to, the goal is to provide educational and meaningful opportunities and encourage Baharian Jewish students to, take, to stay connected to their religion, heritage, and roots while on college campus, says Menashe Kaimov. At Meros, which translates as heritage of Bukhari, students have access to a bookshelf of materials in English about Bukharian Jews. Each month, a Chiyokona gathering brings 60 to 70 students to enjoy Bukharian food, music, and learning session that covers history, culture, history, and religion. The, up next is the Bukharian Jewish Community Center that is located in New York, where I couldn't find much information, so I'm guessing it's a big community center in New York that hosts events geared towards the Bukharian community, along with there being a synagogue inside the, inside the community center as well. Next up, the Bukharian Jewish Union. 
Located in New York, the Bukharian Jewish Union's mission is to create a vibrant network and a community of Bukharian Jewish young adults. Celebrate the rich heritage and culture of the Bukharian Jews. Connect with American Jewish organizations in order to build relationships based on mutual respect. Collaborate with the Bukhar broader Bukharian Jewish community in the U.S., Israel, and throughout the world. The Bukharian Jewish community... Uh, but the Bukharian Jewish Union, BJU, serves as, a, as a, the central hub for the professional, social, and cultural growth of Bukharian Jews in their 20s and 30s. BJU is, a, is designed to unite Bukharian Jewish young professionals, to strengthen their ties to the larger Jewish community, foster their sense of belonging to the Jewish people, and embrace their heritage, heritage Jewish values in Israel. Finally, I'll be talking about BBJ Jahad. Bukharian Jewish organization in Austria that I mentioned uh, earlier when when I'm talking when I was talking about Bukharian Jews in Austria, Sephardim is a fraction of the Association of Bukharian Jews in Austria and has been represented in the Cultural Council of the Jewish Community of Vienna since 1985. Bukharian Jews has been represented on the Cultural Council since 1985. We started with just one mandate. At that time, we were still a small party. In 2012, we were the second strongest faction in the Jewish community with six mandates. Our achievement include the, includes the most important IKG decisions in recent years that were achieved thanks to the coalition with Sfardim and our partners. We are, we are aware of the responsibility of the entire Jewish community. We will continue to work for the preservation of our unique Jewish unitary community and continue to care for the welfare of the Jewish community. Jewish life is diverse and offers numerous people of different origins the community, religious and cultural basis for their existence. To be a Jew in Austria means to be able to understand and take up the position of a member of a unitary community regardless of one's own descent. Despite the current difficulties and dangers, such as the advent of Islamic extremism in Europe, this is necessary in order to live and maintain a confident Jewish life. All the more, a fraternal treatment of Jewish fellow citizens within the Torah is not an alternative, but an obligation. It is also specified in the Torah, Derech Eretz Kadma La Torah. Proper human dealings have priority over the Torah. If we become aware of the commonalities that we, if we become aware of the commonalities that we become aware of, despite of their diverse origins, personal histories, or political positions, it becomes clear that we are Jews in Austria. Rather, regardless of whether we also consider ourselves Kavkazi, Ashkenazi, Bukhars, or Georgians. I'll be linking a website about them in the description of this episode. Like, I'll be linking uh, a link to the VBG Jachad in Austria in, you know, the description of this episode in part two. In my personal experience, I know and have spoken to many Bukharian Jews, and I feel like their culture is very closely ingrained with Russianism, as Uzbekistan was under Russian control for a long time, so, so their culture, culture resonates with Russian, Ashkena Russian Ashkenazi Jews as well. In conclusion, although Bukharian Jews kind of seem like Ru Russian Ashkenazi, Ashkenazi Jews at first glance, they are definitely not, and have their own unique culture after being isolated in Central Asia, more specifically Uzbekistan, for a long time before coming into contact with other Jewish communities. Bukharian Jew Jews are mentioned in mainstream media, but are one of the more popular Jewish ethnic groups, and in my opinion, are Russian Jews with a, with a bit of Sephardic culture. In the next episode, I'll be talking about Kavkazi Jews, a group of Jews originating from Azerbaijan and South Russia, coming out on June 18th. Thank you for listening to this episode. Peace out, and until next time, this is the Worldwide Jew, signing off.